Well, good afternoon. It's really good to see you all. Good to see a few visitors uh, with us this afternoon. We hope you feel welcome with us. Uh, visiting from the Wirral Church. Great to see you guys. Uh, we are in the final part of our series in Colossians. If you have a Bible, please turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're in the final chapter of the, of the, uh, the book that Paul writes to the Colossian church. Uh, Neil and uh, Mark and Ryan have taken us through a number of uh, passages in this. And we're going to close off with chapter 4 in Colossians, this really amazing passage. And we'll read it in a few minutes time. See, chapter 1 and 2, Paul lifts up Christ. Uh, it's such a beautiful uh, passage, the two chapters. Paul lifts Christ Jesus up, who he is and who we are because of him. And in chapter 3, which Neil took us through last week, Paul talks to the Colossians about us as individuals, providing us with the do's and the don'ts as an individual when it comes to living a Christ-centered life and God giving us the good caring parameters that we need to live Christ-centered lives. And where we find ourselves today is in chapter four, if you turn there now. If you need, need the Bible, there'll be some at the back or maybe they're all out now, uh, but I think maybe most people have a Bible. If not, people next to you, I'm sure, will share with you. See, in chapter four, we find ourselves with the ending of the book of Colossians. And on first reading, it simply comes across as a letter, wrapping up the letter. But actually, what we read is a powerful completion of the letter where Paul paints a picture for us of what a complete church community looks like not a perfect church let's be clear of that before we before we finish this there is no perfect church on this side of glory and of heaven let's be clear of that but what we see here is a picture of what a complete and healthy church looks like and functions like when it imitates its savior Jesus Christ in its love for one another and that's what we'll be looking at here. If you turn to, turn to chapter four, and we're going to read verse two from God's word. Let's hear, let's heed the word of God as we read this. And then we'll dive into our final part of our series in Christ alone. Chapter four, verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now help, I'm going to struggle with some of these names, but bear with me. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, 
a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha, the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray before we look at God's word. Father, thank you for this book in Colossians. Thank you for the teaching it had for the Colossians in that time, but also for us down the ages. Father, I pray as we uh, consider this passage this afternoon, that you would change our hearts, that we as a church will grow in unity for one another, and that Christ's love that he has shown to us would be seen through us to one another. We pray this in your son's precious name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. See, it's only just happened. The clocks have just gone back, or at least a week ago it was. And we've got longer days, which is the signal of warmer days to come. A beautiful day we have outside as we step into spring and soon into summer. Now, we had a cold winter. If you remember, it was a freezing cold winter. And we had that random snow day, which I absolutely loved getting a day off work for, which turned into a summer's day in a couple of hours, which was very odd. Uh, one of my favourite feelings on a cold winter's day is this. You know when you go shopping, stay with me, men. I know that doesn't sound like a great start, but stay with me. On an estate, maybe speak or Aintree estate, and it's freezing cold as you walk from shop to shop. Then your wife drags you into New Look or some other boring clothes shop, and you're wondering how this is a fun favourite feeling for me, but it sounds terrible, but bear with me for a second. It's that moment where you step out of the cold and into the warmth in that front doorway of that shop. I wonder whether you know the feeling. Every good shop has one where there's a heater just above the door and you're suddenly hit as you step out of the cold into this wave of hot air. You're hugged instantly by this warm hot air that grabs you as you stand there. And I usually stand there in the way of aggressive shoppers around Christmas time, just enjoying the warmth that surrounds me in that moment, maybe even stretching out my arms in the doorway to the heat source. It's a beautiful feeling. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And in the same way, keeping on the theme of seasons and spring, the new warmth of the sun as it causes the flowers in that beautiful garden and tree blossoms to extend outwards as they grow upwards out of the cold soil and into the brightness and warmth of the spring sun. The plants are embracing the warmth and they're flourishing because of it. See, chapter four would have been a bit like this for those Colossian believers. They are experiencing the warmth of the church of Christ. And what does the warmth of the church of Christ enable them to do? It enables them to grow towards the source of that warmth. And what is the source of that warmth? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of that warmth. See, if we think back to chapter two, we saw Paul imitating his saviour, Jesus, in the way that he loved the church. And in chapter four, we see exactly that again here. 
Paul is opening the Colossian church's eyes up to the amount of Christ-like love that they are receiving from a multitude of other believers, not just Paul. It's not just Paul that wants to see their growth and be complete in Christ, but many, many other Christians. The church of Christ is uniting around this body in Colossae. Just a reminder about the context of this church. We can cast our minds back to a few sermons ago in the series where we learned that the church was actually a backwater church. It wasn't much. It was a nobody church. So you remember when we spoke about the Roman roads that would flow, uh, that went straight through Colossae. The Romans decided for some reason to move that road, which was bringing commerce and wealth into the city and move it elsewhere. And nobody really cared for Colossae anymore. But Paul is making it quite clear to the believers here that they're not forgotten. Not at all. They're actually the extended church and that the further extended church are rallying around them. They're cheering them on and praying for them and striving for them constantly that they would become complete in Christ Jesus. See, chapter four, it's not just the ending of a letter. It's a love letter from Christian to Christian. The Colossians reading this must have felt so much warmth from these words of Christ-like love to them from their brothers and sisters from afar. And what I want us to consider this afternoon is how does the church become complete in Christ? How do we become a mature and healthy church? Because that is possible. That is totally possible. We as a church can become a healthy functioning church that loves one another, and imitates the love of Christ to one another and shows the love of Christ to the world. And we see a number of things in this passage for us to consider. There are five ways that Paul shows the Colossians how they can mature as the body of Christ and find completion in him. He tells them what to do in some circumstances in this passage, but he also gives examples of other people and their loving nature to the Colossian church so that they can imitate those examples. And we in 2023, are an extension of that Colossian church through the ages, and we can learn loads from this too. So let's heed the words that are written in the word of God. So out of the five, the first one, the church becomes healthy and complete in Christ through prayer. Verse two, if you go with me to verse two, where it says this, Paul says this to the Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. See, Paul is calling the Colossians to have a lifestyle of persistent prayer, persistent prayer. And Paul calls the Colossians to make it a habit, not just being persistent in prayer, but being thankful, thankful in prayer. It's sometimes so easy to pray to God consistently when we're asking God for something, and that's not wrong, that's good. When we're bringing our burdens before him, and we should, we should bring our burdens before God. But here we're called to thank God persistently. See, Paul is making it clear to the Colossians that a healthy church prays persistently and thanks God persistently. And Paul is imitating Jesus as he says these things. It's in Christ that the church becomes a healthy church and complete in him and so we see the example of Jesus in prayer as well we see prayer modeled perfectly in our savior and perfect model Jesus Christ he's our example of how we should build the church 
You can turn there if you want to, or just listen. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Gospel of Mark, an account of Jesus' life. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. A great example of Jesus prioritising prayer. And in Mark, the same book, chapter 14, verse 38, Jesus tells his disciples, watch and pray. Those exact words that uh, Paul puts in his passage there. See, Jesus was always in prayer. He prayed alone. He prayed with others. And he he was an advocate for prayer. See, to be a healthy church, we need to foster a culture of prayer as individuals and as the church body. So in application for this point, how can we pray more persistently as a church? And how can we thank God more often in prayer? Find a time, like Jesus chose those morning hours, amongst many others, but specifically as we read in that example, find a time that works for you in the week to pray. Give it a go this week if you've been struggling to pray consistently. Spend time with your heavenly father in prayer like Jesus Christ did with his father. Throughout the day, thank God. The little things, the big things, thank him for those things. Share these prayers of thanks with your Christian family. Let us as a church family thank God for all the good things he is doing in each of our lives. How often do we do that? How often do we share, God did this today. I want want you to thank him with me. Share the bad things. Share the things that bring you sorrow. And thank God that he will bring you through those things. And as a church, we can pray and thank God for how he is growing in you the likeness of Christ as you suffer well for him. How can we pray more persistently as a church? How can we thank God more often in prayer? So prayer, this builds a healthy church that is becoming complete in Christ. The second thing, The church becomes healthy and complete in Christ through gospel witness. Gospel witness. If you look at verse three with me, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us, for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. See, even in his chains, Paul is asking that the church pray that the doors would be opened for him to share the gospel Paul is ensuring the Colossians are marked by mission. That it's something that is distinctive about them. That they are marked by mission. That not only do they pray for others in evangelistic circumstances, but that they as a church would be aware of their own need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, looking at Jesus as our perfect example, Jesus saw doors for evangelism everywhere he went. Wherever he went, he saw a door to share the message of his father in heaven. He did it in his preaching. We know that. As soon as he'd wake up from sleep, he had saw an opportunity to proclaim his, his, the kingdom of God to his disciples on a boat. He sat on a well talking to a Sumerian woman and spent time explaining the gospel to that woman. And at night even, when a religious leader approached him to ask him deep questions on how to get into, the God, into God's kingdom, he, he shares with him. He takes every opportunity. So what doors can we push in our evangelism 
I want to ask you that question. What doors can you push in your evangelism? Why not pray about it this evening? If you're a Christian, go home this evening and pray about specific doors. Pray that God would give you an image of who he wants you to pursue. Pray specifically for opportunities in specific locations and specific people. Pray that God would reveal that to you. Share these prayers with your gospel communities. Let us pray for these things also with you. Let your Christian family in on who it is you're seeking to reach the gospel. So gospel witness, this is also what builds a healthy church that is becoming complete in Christ. Three, we're working through them. The church becomes healthy and complete in Christ through being known for what we love. Being known for what we love. Let's look at verse five and six. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What's Paul asking his Colossian church to do? He's asking them to manifest a powerful and attractive testimony to non-Christians and to those in the church who are trying to bring the false gospel. See, the season with salt phrase, that will make ring some bells with many of us because we find that in the gospels where Jesus uses it to describe his followers, describe how his followers should be to the world. Now, if you were to try a steak that I cooked in comparison to a steak that Matty cooked, you'd tell the difference because you'd be able to tell that there's so much more love and care and plenty of seasoning Plenty of seasoning on Matty's steak. See, mine is bland. It's tough. Uh, and it just doesn't taste good at all. I commend you for your beautiful steaks, Matthew. See, salt gives taste, doesn't it? We know that. I love salt on my food probably too much. And it's distinctive. You know it's there. And you definitely know when it's not there. You can tell the difference. Paul is telling the Colossian church here to be distinct to be different and to be salty. The Colossian community around the church, the non-Christians who lived around in Colossae in this apparent backwater little, little town, they should know that there's something different with that group of people there. They should know that. They should sense the difference. They should know the difference. They should hear the difference. They were to be known as followers of the living Jesus Christ. Not the dead Jesus Christ. The living Jesus Christ. We're coming up to Easter Sunday. We believe that Christ is risen and that these Colossians, they were to be people who were marked by this life-transforming truth. Jesus was all about his mission and love for the Father. His Father's work was continually on his lips. He used his time to serve both followers and outsiders so much so that the religious leaders who were looking in on the life of Jesus, they were baffled. What were they baffled about? They were baffled as to why he'd spent so much time with sinners. So much time with sinners. He spent time with the likes of Zacchaeus. He spent times, uh, he brought in a tax collector, which the rest of the community scorned. He spent time with the Sumerian woman. The Jews didn't like the Sumerians. 
And also women were looked down on in that society in that time period. But Jesus ran to those people. He spent time with those people around. It was evident who Christ loved. He loved the Father and he loved humanity. In application, is it evident that we love Jesus? In our actions, in our words, in the people we spend our time with, in the things we do in our spare time, is it evident that we love Jesus? And I wonder whether this is a posture thing. I wonder whether this is a British thing. Whether our Britishness gets in the way sometimes. See, here in church, let it be known you love Jesus Christ. When we're here as a community, let's encourage one another to a healthy church to show that we all love Jesus Christ. For those who come into this gathering, they need to know we love Jesus in the way that we worship. Let it be known in your work that you love Jesus Christ. Over the photocopier, what did you do at the weekend? I went to church. Why did you go to church? Because I love Jesus and I want to go and worship him. And I'd like to invite you too. I want you to know him. At family get-togethers, when you pray for the food, a simple thing, let it be known you love Christ. As you play with your sports team on a Saturday morning, let it be known that you love Jesus Christ. Being known for what we love, this builds a healthy church that is becoming complete in Jesus Christ. The fourth one, the church becomes healthy and complete in Christ through our encouragement of the body. Our encouragement of the body. If you go to verse 7 in the passage, we see Tychicus. I think I said his name right. And what does Paul say here? He says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. I love what Paul is sending Tychicus to do. He's sending him to just tell all of the encouraging stories of Paul's activities and his missionary group around him. You'll never believe what God did to us whilst we were in the temple with the Greeks, how he placed us amongst philosophers and scholars and enabled us to preach the word. That time that we were in the prison, look what God did for us. He brought down the walls with a miracle and he put it in our hearts to remain there and he used us to save a hardened prison guard and all of his family. I love that. I love that Paul would send Tychicus back to share encouragements of his mission. Paul is sending encouraging stories of God's great work through his mission to the Colossian church. That's something that we should do. That's something that we should do for one another. We should encourage one another. We should bring often encouraging stories of how God has worked through us. And then in verse 16 as well. And then, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read to the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See, there's many people that I mentioned in chapter four in this love letter from Christian to Christian. And Archippus is one of these people who actually we don't really hear much of, if anything at all, anywhere else in the Bible. He was a Christian, we know that much. He was a part of the early church and he was granted some form of ministry from the Lord and he soldiered on for the faith. I think that's pretty evident from what we see here. 
See, Paul here encourages Archippus to complete the ministry that was set before him, that God had given him. See, Paul wants the Colossian church to be a church of encouragement. See, there's not many things that are warmer, in my opinion, than a brother or a sister in Christ covering you in, in, in encouragement. For example, I really saw Christ in you when you prayed for me there. You, I want to use this exactly because you keep bringing it up to me. And the first time that we met in the, um, in the park at Sefton, um, you mentioned that prayer that I prayed for you. I'm not using me as an example. I'm just saying that Christ used me to save you. And that every time you say that to me, I'm, I'm so blessed and encouraged and amazed that God used me to bless you and you're part of our family. And look how God's worked in you. So it's doing those things, I felt led to encourage you today to keep pursuing that friend of yours you're always talking about. See, it's these little things that build a healthy church. And I'm criminal for this, that I don't do it enough. I don't turn to each of you or send you messages out at all, at all enough to encourage you all in Christ. But this is what Paul says we should do. We should encourage one another. See, Jesus was constantly uplifting his followers, wasn't he, throughout his time on earth. He's the greatest encourager there ever has been and there ever will be. Jesus was constantly found encouraging his disciples, like James and John, the sons of thunder, picking out their giftings in their lives and nurturing them, encouraging them when they had failed him. You think of Peter when he denied Christ three times and then on the beach side, uh, on the seaside, on the seaside sea, of, uh, sea of Galilee or whatever it was. It was a lake, it was a sea. But he sits down with Peter and he uplifts him. He encourages him. And when all seemed lost on that night of his betrayal, when that darkest hour approached, even in his darkest hour, he led them in communion and he led songs of praise with his brothers. I feel that's such a beautiful picture. Jesus is the greatest encourager there ever has been and we should imitate him in, our, in the life of the church. So how can we encourage an application? How can we encourage each other, the church, with stories of God's goodness and how he has moved in our life? How can we do that? Maybe we could write down examples of God's goodness in our lives so we don't forget them. Maybe we can journal them, look for answered prayer and share them with your gospel communities or with those that you are uh, you, you may, may be accountability groups in the church. Share those things. We want to hear them. We want to grow each other into a healthy, complete church in Jesus Christ. And how can we encourage one another to fulfill our mission? We all have a mission. If you're saved, if you're a believer in Jesus, God's put you somewhere. He's put you in a circle of influence. How can we encourage one another to fulfill our mission in that circle of influence? See, Archippus, whatever it was, and we didn't get much information on it. But Archippus is encouraged by, by Paul to see that he fulfills his ministry. And he, he pursues Archippus in calling him to complete that ministry. Seek out someone this week in the church. Like do it, really think about who you can seek out this week in this church. And share with them how you've been praying for their mission. Push someone in our church this week on towards glory. So that's where we're all heading and it's an amazing destination. If we are in Christ, we're all going to be with God in glory with him. But we have a mission to do right now. Let's push one another towards it. 
Remind them of how much they're loved by Christ and the church. It's so easy to get wrapped up in this life that we forget to encourage one another. But it's these moments that strengthen the health of the church, God's church. Encouragement. This builds to a healthy church that is becoming complete in Christ. And the fifth one. In closing. The church becomes healthy and complete in Christ through our love for the body. Our love for the church body. The section, the second section of chapter four is exactly this. It's exactly this. It's a love letter to the church. It is love for the body of Christ, God's church. Paul just rattles off a whole list of the love that the church has to the Colossians. It's a sudden gust of warm air that surrounds you on a cold day, as we mentioned at the start. See, Paul is showing the Colossians what it means to imitate Christ and build the church body in loving warmth towards one another. See, just listen. Why don't we read that part again? I am going to read that part again just at the beginning. Listen to all the names and the ways that they care for the church and how they are yearning for the growth of the Colossian church. And again, forgive my pronunciation of all the names. Let's read it again in verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus is called Justice. Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you after always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea in Hierapolis. Don't forget Epaphras, the one who led that church and loves that church. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha opened up her church, opened up her house for the church, showed hospitality to them. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord See, all of them in some way are yearning and toiling for the church in Colossae. And they're yearning and toiling to see it grow in its completion in Christ and become a healthy church. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave up everything for his church. Everything. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 24, a very famous verse. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This church body that we have here, Jesus Christ gave everything up for us. 
This is the gospel. This is the good news. We are loved by our saviour God so much that he gave everything for us. See, it's this Sunday that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, a humble king. But in his omniscience, because he was God, he foresaw what was going to happen to him one week later. See, those praising him as he came into the city, they were a week later crying out, crucify him. He was betrayed by a close friend and his disciples will fail him in the garden and they will flee. He will be tried by a corrupt courtroom and he will be found guilty of crimes he didn't commit because he was not guilty. He was the perfect son of God. And then he will be made to carry a cross up a hill outside of the city, all the while being spat at and scorned. And he would be nailed to a Roman cross and he would suffer physically, but spiritually he would suffer the most as he took on the weight of the world's sin of those who would believe in him and he would die. Why? Because he loves you, church. He loves the church. Because he was willing to give everything up to bring forgiveness of sin for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you don't have to turn there. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we become sinless before Father God in heaven, that we will be presented holy because of his sacrifice for us. And by the power of God, he didn't stay dead. He's alive. He rose again. Why? So that we could live in newness of life as the church and share his love with each other and with those outside of the church so that they would come in. That's why he rose again. And I implore you, those of you who are outside of the church, if you sit here outside of the church, and I don't mean this building because you sat inside of it, but what I mean by that is, is that you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your king and as your savior. Come to him. Come to him today. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the gospel is summarized so simply for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. And I implore those of you who aren't saved, who are outside of the church body, who might look in at the beauty of this church and see the way that we love each other. We only love each other because of Jesus Christ in that way. He's the one who showed us the beauty of love in his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. And we want to imitate that to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're a ragtag bunch. If you look around this room, we're so different, but it's Christ who unites us. It's Jesus who unites us. And we want you to be a part of that. We want you to call out to Jesus Christ and ask him into your life because he can provide you with the best life that nothing else can provide you with. Give up the, your addictions. Give up the things that, are, uh, that you are channeling your life towards. It's only Christ who can give you purpose and identity and can bring you into a true family, the body of Christ. Give your life up to the, for the church 
in application for us who are saved, who are in this church body. Give your life for the church. Love the church. Give everything for the church. It's that simple. We've been given this one life to to live as a church body, to imitate Christ. Give it up for the church. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's our spiritual worship to love one another and point one another to Christ and grow in healthiness as a church body. Give your life for the church. Love the church. This builds to a healthy church that is becoming complete in Christ. Let me close with this. By doing these things as a church body, we will become a healthy church. We won't become a perfect church. One day we'll be part of a perfect church. One day, the other side of this life into the next in glory, we will be part of that bridegroom that is presented perfect and spotless before our Saviour Jesus Christ. But right now, we can be a healthy church. We can. By doing these things that we see shown in the believers in chapter 4 here that Paul points out to us. And we need to fight for this body. We need to fight for the body of Christ by doing these things. See, in verse 18, at the end of the passage, Paul perfectly demonstrates this. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be with you. See, Paul finishes his letter, this letter that we've looked at over the past few months. He finishes this letter to the Colossians by reminding them of the Roman chains that are on his wrists. He's imitating Jesus. He's loving the church by giving everything for it. You see, as Christ gave his life for the church, he is our inspiration to love others, to love each other into a healthy church family and those outside for our good, but for God's glory. That's the whole passage. It's Christ alone that we've been looking at in this sermon series. It's all for his glory that we do these things. Colossians has been a great series, hasn't it? It's been a great series and it's sad that it's ending and I'm sure the next one will be just as good. It has been all about Christ. If we take anything from this, it's been all about Christ, Christ alone. And my prayer is that we'd all be drawn closer as individuals as we hear in these chapters, but also as a church body, because that's what we've seen in chapter four here, haven't we? As a church body to grow in unity and healthiness and maturity and completion, that we grow together to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, our saviour, and that we share his love, that we share his love with one another, with the church and those outside of the church. Christ alone. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's close. Then we will sing. And then Ryan is going to lead us in communion. Father, thank you for this passage in chapter four of Colossians. Thank you for the warm embrace of love that we see in the church towards the Colossians. I'm sure it was so welcome and that it helped them in their growth to be a healthy church in the community that they were in. And I pray the same for us, 
Lord, that you would empower us to be like your son, Jesus Christ, that we would pray for one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would push one another in our mission and that we would give our lives for the church. Father, I pray that we would help us to do that in our weakness. Remind us of your son, Jesus Christ, and all he did for us, that he gave his life for us. And for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would be um, just enamored at the beauty of our saviour, Jesus, and that they will come to him and they will be changed and that they will be welcomed into this church body and that angels will rejoice as they give their lives to you. Father, I pray these things for the good of this church, but also, and mainly, most importantly, your glory. In, our, in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.